The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Dr. Hart, please. Dr. Hart. Excuse us, gentlemen. Me, doctor. Yes, Lieutenant. Uh, may I speak to you personally? Go ahead. Uh, I feel uncomfortable. In what way? In hospitals around illness, I, uh, I feel kind of queasy. I, well, that's not uncommon, Lieutenant. I know. Uh, I faint. I mean, I actually pass out, and in my line of work, that's kind of embarrassing. Is there, uh, is there something that I can do for that? There's only one surefire cure, Lieutenant. Stay out of hospitals as much as possible. Right. I'll try, Doctor. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, February 27, 2014. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we will be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Welcome to the show today. We're, today we will be um, talking about health care, both in Canada and the United States, with a, a guest. Our guest today is going to be uh, Rita Parnabasu, who is an analyst at the Ayn Rand Institute specializing in the application of Rand's ethics of rational egoism to public policy issues, and her research and writing focuses on health care policy. Her work has appeared in Forbes, Politics, Town Hall and Daily Caller, and she's been interviewed uh, by radio programs across the United States, including National Public Radio. Are you there, Ritu? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, it's our pleasure. Now, I understand that you're going to be in Toronto on uh, Tuesday, March 4th, to talk about the disease killing Canadian health care. Is that correct? That's correct, and I'm very much looking forward to it. As am I, because I'll be the person there, hopefully, if the if I can get to Toronto, because today you couldn't get across the street because <laughs> of the snowstorm. But, oh, no. um, yes. <laughs> I'm sure you're not are having you that. Are you expecting bad weather next week? Do you know? Well, who's to say? Are it's, you kidding? It's that's too that's far like away. four or five days ahead. We, don't, we can't even predict four hours ahead. <laughs> yeah. Now, now well, whatever you guys have, it's, it's going to be hard for me, because I'm from Southern California, <laughs> where it's always very warm. <laughs> yes, I understand. You are calling from um, Irvine, is it? Yes. Yeah, Irvine, California. So your talk about um, the disease-killing Canadian healthcare system on March 4th will be held at the University of Toronto, 5 Bancroft Avenue. That is the Earth Sciences Building, room 1050. And um, admission is free, so if anybody listening would like to attend that, um, we would encourage you to go to uh, to talk about the Canadian healthcare system. But today... Before we get into the Canadian healthcare system, I'd like to talk about something that you've written for the Ayn Rand Institute called The Broken State of American Health Insurance Prior to the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. Do you want to just go over that, uh, Ritu, and just give us a brief synopsis of the fact that uh, I think your thesis is the American healthcare system, if you thought it was um, just recently socialized, you really didn't understand it because there was so much intrusion before Obamacare. Is that right? Yeah, so there's certainly a perception, and I think this perception exists within the United States and outside of it, that American health care is a free market, right? That it's private health care 
Uh, and that this is very unique about the United States compared to, say, Canada, where you guys do have a single-payer socialized health care system. And Americans believe this about their own health care system, and I think others believe this outside of the United States about American health care. Um, and what I do in this paper that you're referring to, uh, published by the Pacific Research Institute, is that I challenge this perception, particularly in health insurance. So did we have a free market and health insurance before Obamacare. And the reason that this is a really important question to ask and to know the correct answer to is that, well, we have this new law in America. I'm sure you've heard of it, Obamacare, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's this huge law. And what it's supposed to do is that it's supposed to exert a lot of control over health insurance. Because in the United States, most of us pay for our health care through health insurance. And there's all sorts of problems with it. It's really, really expensive. You can't find coverage when you need it. I mean, it's a big mess. And what Obamacare was passed on was the premise that, yeah, health insurance companies are too free, and that's what's causing all of our problems. And so we got Obamacare, which is the greatest expansion of government control in the United States in almost the last 50 years. And what I do in this paper is I say, no, this is actually not the case at all, that in fact, health care and health insurance in America has been one of the most controlled industries for many, many decades, and this is what has caused all the problems that we see. Now, there was a couple of tidbits in your paper I really uh, pounced on that because I didn't know of these things. Like, for example, you say... Remarkable, actually. <laughs> yeah, it says, uh, quoting from your paper, we, are, we so often obtain health uh, insurance through our employer, but not our auto or homeowner's insurance. Why is that? And apparently it's an artifact of World War II wage and price controls. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, I mean, this is a really fundamental distortion in the American healthcare system. So like you said, you know, in the United States, if you want to buy car insurance, if you want to buy life insurance, you can do that. It has nothing to do with your job, right? Like your employer doesn't care where you get your car insurance or your life insurance. Mm -hmm. So if you leave your job, for example, you don't lose that insurance. In the United States, the government has it, that there's a huge tax advantage, and this tax advantage was established during World War II, that there's this huge tax advantage to getting your health insurance through your employer. And so everybody basically who can, whoever, whichever employer offers that, of course all the employees want that because it's a huge financial advantage. But what the problem is is that this distortion that is now created where everybody wants to get their health insurance through their employer, you know, it's not a very good system. It's not a very efficient system. It's not great to have your health insurance tied to your job, you know, because, you know, you move around, you change jobs, and every time you change jobs, you have to change your health insurance, and that's not exactly an ideal situation. It's inconvenient. You don't get a lot of choices, and most importantly, it's not conducive to the whole idea of insurance. I mean, insurance is you got to stick with it, right? You can't just leave the market and come back in whenever you want. Of course, that's going to create all sorts of problems. One of the big problems that Obamacare was supposed to solve in American health care was, well, all these people have pre-existing conditions. They've got existing medical conditions, and now no insurance company is going to give them coverage. Well, on its own, that's not so crazy, right? Because it's like going, having your house on fire and then calling a, a, an insurance company and saying, can you cover my house? Exactly. Like, it's like, well, no, I can't do that. It's not how insurance works. But in healthcare, we expect it. But the whole thing is this pre-existing condition problem was created by the government because people get kicked out of their health insurance because of their job, and then they're sick, and yeah, then they're going to have problems. So the disease-killing American healthcare is government control. 
And I assume that you're going to be saying the exact same thing in Toronto regarding the Canadian healthcare system. Absolutely. I mean, Canadian healthcare, so American healthcare, people see it as, yeah, it's a free market. And what my paper does is it challenges that and says American health insurance is, was not remotely free for decades. Um, and that is true for American healthcare more broadly, that almost 50% of our healthcare dollars in the United States are spent by the government, um, and the rest of the, 50, and the other 50% is spent on this market that's very, very controlled by the government. The government's not directly spending it, but it's very much controlling the entire market. Okay. And in Canada, you guys have 70% of your medical expenses are directly funded by the government. So, you know, America is moving and has been moving for decades in, in the direction of Canada. And many people in the United States, you know, they idolize the Canadian system. They idolize single-payer health care. But I think what you guys have seen over decades of having this is how destructive this kind of policy is, how it destroys your health care system, how it creates all sorts of quality issues. I mean, the wait times you guys have, I mean, takes months to be able to see a doctor. We would never have that in the United States. Like, that's not an issue for yeah. us. And that is because we are, we do have more of a private market here, not as much as people think, but we do have more freedom, and that freedom is what has led to the American healthcare system being the best in the world. And that's what Canada has got to recognize, that if they want good healthcare, they've got to free the market. I think that's one of the reasons that um, Canadians particularly have this misconception that America has a free market, because here we are completely single-payer-oriented with our OHIP system, and so you cannot pay a doctor with your own money if it competes with anything that OHIP offers. And so that leaves a lot of people on waiting lists because they can't get ahead of the waiting list unless they go to the United States. How might Canadians be affected by Obamacare if they want to go to the United States to get their health care? And will Americans be coming up here to, to, to our health care system to escape their own? Sometimes it seems a health care system works worse against its own citizens. Right. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, we are moving in the direction of of the Canadian healthcare system. And you know what? More than 40,000 Canadians every year come to the United States for healthcare. People who can afford it come to the United States for healthcare because it is better, because you get treated faster, because this is the place to go if you want to be healthy. And what is Obamacare going to do? It is greater government control of our healthcare system, which means we're going to start seeing a lot more of the symptoms that Canadians are experiencing in their own healthcare system. And so what that means for Americans is that our healthcare system is worsening, and what it means for Canadians is that if they were planning to come to the United States for standard, high-quality care, well, that option is being, you know, very quickly precluded because of what we are doing. What I can understand, uh, Ritu, is that the complexity of the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, is such that no one person could understand it. Let, no one person could actually read it. It is so huge and it's so voluminous. Uh, here in Canada, the Canada Health Act, and I've read it, is one page, if I recall. One page that basically deems that provinces must have a, um, a, a single-payer system. Not necessarily to preclude a private-payer system, but it, that's the simplicity of it. And then, of course, then you get each province being complex in its application of that law. And yet your federal law is huge. Is that the case? Yeah, I mean, you can't, you, nobody can understand it? 
You know, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it is huge. It is complicated. And that is one of the reasons why people who want uh, government control of health care, proponents of Obamacare and such, that's why they look to you guys and say, look, it's a lot simpler in Canada. They've got this thing figured out, and it's not so complicated. And the real difference is is the method. So what, you know, what is... Why is Canadian healthcare the way it is? Why is it organized the way it is? Why do you guys have single-payer socialized medicine? Well, it is because government is seen as, no, it's the government's responsibility to provide health care for everyone. It's not your own responsibility to go out there and get health care, to earn it on a market. No, it's the government's responsibility. If you can't afford it, the government will pay for it, which means that everybody else will pay for it. And that's seen as the system. And that's exactly what proponents of Obamacare want. They want exactly that system, which is, you know, they call it universal health care. Um, and that's exactly what proponents of Obamacare want. It's just that in the United States, we have tried to go about it in another way. So in Canada, with you guys, what you guys do is you just have the government. The government just taxes all of you, and then it takes the money, and then it distributes that money for people's health care needs as the government determines. Mm-hmm. That's what socialism is. We're joined, America, yeah. Yeah, we're, I'm just going to cut for a break here. Rita. We're joined by Rita Pranabasu of the Ayn Rand Institute. And if you just want to hold on to the line just for a moment, Rita, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back right after this. In Canada, they give everybody free health care. Doesn't it work up there? Well, no, unfortunately it doesn't. Well, you wait months to get treatment. You can get it in a week or a few days here. In Canada, he'd have to wait nine to ten months for bypass surgery. Many Canadians believe it's the health care system itself that's truly sick. They pay their doctors less. Surgeons can only do a certain number of operations each year with only so many expensive new pieces of equipment. It's easier for your cat or dog receive an MRI here in America. You, you die of cancer waiting for that chemo because like all of Ottawa has one chemo machine. And if you think socialized medicine is a good idea, ask a Canadian. So I thought, who better to ask than my Canadian relatives, Bob and Estelle. But they wouldn't cross the border into America. They wanted me to meet them at Sears in Canada. We have a friend who went to Hawaii and he sustained a head injury while he was there. And before he was well enough to come home, he had chalked up a bill of over $600,000. So what middle class Canadian could absorb that? We're not criticizing your country, we're just giving you the facts that we could not afford to be without insurance. Even for a day. Even for a day. To prove their point even further, they sent me over to a local golf course to talk to Larry Godfrey, who had a golfing accident while on vacation in Florida. I could hear a noise and and feel a pain, and the tendon snapped off this bone here that that holds the bicep in place. So this bicep muscle was released like on on an elastic, and it... It ended up here on my chest. Muscle came right up your arm and ended up right up in your chest. Ended up right here. Uh Like all good golfers, Larry finished his round before seeking medical attention. That's when he got 
the bad news. I wasn't too worried because I had out-of-country insurance, but when he told me it was twenty-three or twenty-four thousand, then I I twenty-four thousand dollars. Yes. So if you'd stayed in the United States, this would have cost you twenty-four thousand dollars. Twenty-four thousand dollars. Yes. And instead, you went back to Canada. Yep. And and Canada paid your total expenses. Everything. Paid for the operation. Yes. And it cost you nothing. Zero. 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 I'm wondering why you expect your fellow Canadians who don't have your problem. Why should they, through their tax dollars, have to pay for a problem you have? Because we would do the same for them. Uh, yeah, it's but just the way it's always been, and, 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 we, and it's the way we hope it'll always be. Right, but yeah. if you just had to pay for your problem, yeah. then don't pay for everybody else's problem. Just take care of yourself. Well, there are lots of people who aren't in a position to be able to do that, and somebody has to look after them. Are you a member of like, the Socialist Party here? Or? No, no. Green Party? No. No, I, well, actually, I'm a member of the Conservative Party. Is that bad? <laughs> well, it's just a little confusing. <laughs> Not confusing to us at all, eh, no, Robert? the Conservative Party actually brought in Ontario Health Insurance Program here in Ontario. Yeah, they brought in the Tommy Douglas legacy to Ontario. It was the progressive Conservatives who brought the Ontario income tax in to cover the cost of that insurance. It was the Conservatives who banned insurance competition. It was the Conservatives who brought in the single-payer system. I mean, uh, it's, it's just amazing. Uh, does that strike you as odd, Ritu? I mean, it doesn't really. I mean, nobody in the United States, and I, uh, and I think I can say the same for in Canada, um, nobody really is knows how to defend um, a private market, a free market in healthcare, and nobody really wants to either. I mean, to defend a free market in healthcare, you would have to defend an individual's right to not be his brother's health care provider, that he doesn't have a moral responsibility to do that. And that is the idea that the Canadian health care system is built on. It's the idea that the American health care system is building on as well, that you have a moral responsibility. If someone else can't pay for their health care, you have to pay for it. And yeah. no one is willing to question that. And if you don't question that, what you're going to see is a whole lot of government control of your health care. As a matter of fact, the ethical question is something the Ayn Rand Institute always tackles, whether it's yourself or your own Brook or Leonard Peikoff or even ourselves here on this show. We always boil it down to what is right versus what is wrong, ethically. And ethically, it is simply wrong to be your brother's keeper, to tax him for your health care problems. You know, I, I don't even think this is about being your brother's keeper, as we heard from that conservative gentleman. He says that rich and poor alike should be on this system. It's not about helping the people who can't help themselves. Everybody wants a free ride from the top to the bottom. We had a system way back when when we only helped people who needed help. 82% mm -hmm. of Ontarians had private health insurance. 86, I understood. Or whatever, but well, well, the majority. We didn't need to, to help 100% of people under the guise of something called universality, which it isn't, to pretend that we're helping the poor. Everybody pretends, oh, no, we've got to have it to help the poor. That's always the reason they justify their own benefit. I have caught so many people over the years... Uh, you know, disguising their own selfishness, pardon the pun in the wrong, wrong sense of the word, with altruism. And that's how they tend to sell the system, and universality is sold on that. Oh, my goodness, we can't have a system that doesn't look after the poor. But then, then you hear a story like these Canadians. How does one rack up a $600,000 health care bill 
in the wildest imagination. Uh, I mean, if middle-class Canadians can't afford that, how do middle-class Americans afford it? That's for you, we do. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's very true that health care is expensive. It, it is expensive in the United States. Um, but I, w- I want to challenge this idea because people think that, well, listen, in Canada, you know, you get free health care. It's not so expensive. And that is the most ludicrous conceptualization. Hmm. I mean, everybody is paying for Canadian health care. Everybody who earns a paycheck is paying for Canadian health care, for the Medicare system you guys have. And the whole question is, are you getting a good value for all, all that you're paying? And I say absolutely not, because what you're paying for is a system in which you don't get to make choices, in which the government decides, you know, do you get your hip surgery or do you not? When will you get it? Do you deserve it or not? That's not the kind of health care system you should want to be in. You should want to be in a health care system where you can use your money and put it towards your own interests in health care, your own needs. And in the United States, yes, health care is expensive. But it's been this way, it's become this way, not because we've got a free market, but because the government controls everything in our healthcare system. And so, of course, it's going to distort prices, make things really expensive. You wouldn't see this on a free market. Well, one, one example would be the Food and Drug Administration in the States, which delays the implementation of any new medicine for years, sometimes decades, um, for no really good apparent reason other than to uh, exhibit their own power that they can do such a thing. And, of course, that yeah, drives prices up. Of, yeah, there's all sorts of controls on supply, all sorts of con- um, inf- you know, artificial demand created. And so, yeah, you don't have this a market working where you really do see. What do you see on a market? You see over time prices go down. Innovation increases. People figure out how to do things more cheaply, more efficiently, and more people are able to afford things that previously they could not. So more people today are able to afford televisions and cars and phones, not because of government, but because of people being left free to figure out how to do this so that they can bring it to a mass market. And what you have in healthcare is, you know, that was never really ever even given a chance. People say, well, look, the free market doesn't work. It'd be terrible. Well, honestly, it never even got a chance to be tried. I mean, government has controlled healthcare since, you know, since America, you know, since the medical revolution happened, since we really figured out, you know, what's making people sick and how to fix them. I mean, that's a pretty recent phenomenon, the last hundred years or so. It's not like 200 years ago we knew that much about how to fix the human body. But as soon as we learned it, the government came in and they started controlling everything. So how you know, how flourishing a healthcare market could be, how much more affordable it could be for people, how much more innovation could exist, we really have no idea, and that's the real shame. You know, if people think that Tommy Douglas and the Canadians invented socialized medicine, they're in for a shock because Medicare in the States, which is a a national social insurance program for those 65 and older, was implemented in 66, a full year to two years before here in Ontario we had OHIP. So, I mean, this is, this is probably, some people could actually say that we inherited your socialist system of Medicare. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ayn Rand wrote about this. So um, Ayn Rand wrote about uh, the calls for socialized medicine in Canada, in Saskatchewan, in the 40s. Um, so I think, I mean, I, I mean it, it's definitely been a trend. I mean, who had it first is, is a question. But, you know, in America, there's been a trend since the early 1900s, really, 
to adopt, and there have been calls for to adopt a socialized medical system, and in Canada as well. So, yeah, this is not something particularly new or unique to Canada. America has gone about it in trying to achieve it in a different way, as I mentioned. You know, in America, we try to, we're trying to do it through private, you know, to, through government control of private entities. So we're not really going the socialism route, which is where the government owns and controls property. It is where uh, the Americans try to do it in, that, in the way that, you know, Private individuals own the property, but the government dictates to them everything they have to do with their property. So it's more of a fascist kind of method. But the goal is still the same, to achieve this kind of system in which you are your brother's health care provider. And, you know, people have a positive association with that. But I think in Canada you guys are seeing, hopefully, the real-life destructive consequences of that. That if you need, uh, a, a, you know, you need to go get a hip surgery, um, for a long time it was illegal to go and pay privately for it. No, you have to wait in the same line as everybody else. And what what good does that do? It does you no good. It just drags you down to the lowest denominator. You have to wait with everybody else. Why? Why is why is that a good thing? Why is that why is that something good to hold somebody back because you can't get better health care? It's an ugly, ugly system. It's interesting as we sit here, I can tell you I just found out last night my own uncle who is eighty five years old and suffering from pancreas cancer is sitting in a hallway in the emergency room in Edmonton Hospital because they have no beds. And so they're, they're just overcrowded. It's a common situation here in London, Ontario, where some mornings we wake up to radio stories, ambulances lined up outside hospitals, can't even let their patients into the hospital. And they keep them there for hours and hours and hours. People in pain. The nightmare stories are unbelievable. And yet guys like, you know, Michael Moore put out his movie Sicko came right here to London too and film parts of it, you yeah. know, to say, well, look how great it is. Because I think what happens is people confuse the good health care they get when they eventually get it mm-hmm. with the system generally. You know what I'm saying? So when they get good care, and we do have good care once you get in. I mean, it's, it's not that different than many other good places in the world. It's the matter of having access and, and, and cheaper prices. So, you know, it's a tremendous myth what we keep hearing, uh, even domestically here. And so the question I always ask myself with this, you know, so far, what have we talked about? We've talked about insurance. Have we talked about medicine? No. Doctors? No. Patients? No. You know, are we talking about health care, the best things you can do? to to look after yourself. No, we always talk about money. Money is the system, and that's all there is to it. And well, I think what's interesting also is that you know what you see in socialized systems, and you see this across the world, not just in Canada. What you see in socialized medicine is that when you are not sick, when you are you know just a regular person, you have routine medical needs, which most of the population is in that situation. Healthcare looks okay, and your healthcare system looks all right. Like, it's not the end of the world if you have to wait two weeks to go see a doctor when you've got a cold. Like, it's not the biggest deal. What you see is that it becomes very, very difficult to get care, to be able to get good care um, when you are really sick. When you're really sick and you need uh, healthcare system that is free to innovate, to experiment, to give you things you've never tried before, things that have never been tried before, to be creative. That's where socialized medicine fails. And, but that's where why, why we need a really great healthcare system, right? Isn't that why we need 
why we need healthcare in the first place to help us in those situations in which nobody knows what to do and you need a doctor, a doctor, a team of people who's willing and has the freedom to think, to innovate, to be creative. And that's what socialized medicine in all its forms has to outlaw, has to outlaw because the government simply cannot pay for this care. And so, and that's, and that's what's ugly about it. When you really need healthcare, socialized medicine is what fails you. Right. And that's why Canadians <clears throat> come to America. Yes. We're at the bottom of the hour now, Ritu. We're going to go for a break. And when we return, we're going to hear a warning from former President Ronald Reagan about what Medicare could possibly lead to. We'll be back in a few minutes. Well, now, Upton, why, why is it, Upton, that you want to be a doctor? Well, uh, two reasons, really, sir. The first reason is... Do you mind if I do the second reason first? <laughs> if you insist. Well, well, the second reason is... Oh, I've just remembered the first reason. <laughs> yes, well... It's because medicine has always fascinated me as a science, sir. Yes? Well, go on, Upton, you've got us hooked now. We're all about for this second reason of yours. I do feel that being a doctor offers one the unique opportunity... Of doing some good for your fellow men. All the people around you. Exactly. <laughs> now, Upton, why do you really want to be a doctor? Well... Your uh, father's a doctor and you never thought of becoming anything else, have you? Not really, sir. Well, I think that gives me a pretty good picture, Dean. <clears throat> um, uh, well, now, uh, Mr. Upton, you play rugger. Yes, sir. First 15 at school. Yes, sir. Three years. Wing three-quarter? Yes, sir. A bit stocky, aren't you, for a three-quarter? Wing three. I mean, got the speed. I've got cups for the hundred, sir. <laughs> oh, very good. Mm. Yeah, we need wing three-quarters. Hospital's full. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want the federal government to control your health care? You won't have a choice of your own doctor. Government mandates less government, more government control, more government, and less control for you and your family. When your mama gets sick, she might talk to a bureaucrat instead of a doctor. This is a total mess, and it's about to get messier. Not this big bureaucratic socialistic okay. plan that they have. Socialist takeover. Socialized medicine. What really amounts to a giant social experiment. Socialized medicine. Nothing put more fear in us than the thought of that. And the chief fearmongers against socialized medicine have always been the good doctors of the American Medical Association. This would put the government smack into your hospital, defining services, setting standards, establishing committees, calling for reports, deciding who gets in and who gets out. After all, the government has to treat everyone fair and equal, don't you know? Take us all the way down the road to a new system of medicine for everybody. Yes, medicine for everyone. The AMA didn't want that. And to drive the point home further, they held thousands of coffee clutches all over the country where they invited their neighbors to come and listen to a record made by a well-known actor on the evils of socialized medicine. My name is Ronald Reagan. One of the traditional methods of imposing statism or socialism on a people has been by way of medicine. 
The doctor begins to lose freedoms. It's like telling a lie, and one leads to another. But doctor decides he wants to practice in one town, and the government has to say to him, you can't live in that town. They already have enough doctors. You have to go someplace else. All of us can see what happens once you establish the precedent that the government can determine a man's working place and his working methods, and behind it will come other federal programs that will invade every area of freedom as we have known it in this country. Until one day we will awake to find that we have socialism. You're tuned to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where you can find an archive of all of our shows at, and <coughs> at justratemedia.org. And you can uh, you can um, uh, communicate with us your your pleasure or displeasure at feedback at justratemedia.org. I'm just trembling over my words there. You know, we're, listen, we're joined by uh, Rita Parna Basu from the Ayn Rand Institute talking about medicine. Have you heard that clip there from Ronald Reagan, Ritu? We're in for socialism. Is this just the thin edge of the wedge, or were we are already there? Yeah, too late as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, you guys are already there. I mean, you guys have socialized the health care financing in your country. Uh, and in the United States, we have socialized a great part of our health care financing. You mentioned programs like Medicare, our Medicare system. Our Medicare system is for people over 65. We have Medicaid, which is for lower-income individuals. We've got all sorts of other government programs. Um, so we have, I mean, I mean, Government makes the decisions. Government is controlling American health care. Government is controlling Canadian health care. Call it socialism. Call it fascism. The point is it's some form of state control over individual lives, and that's rampant, and it's, it's, it's terrible. I mean, we need freedom. I'm sure you're familiar with the, the Frederick Bastiat essay on that which is seen and that which is unseen, and a mm-hmm. lot of people don't understand that while, yes, it's, it's actually quite easy for us to go to the hospital um, once we get through the queue uh, for a, a major thing and, and, and get treated well by, by good doctors, it's another thing that we don't understand what we're losing in not only just choice, but for the fact that we have a, a provincial income tax, 100% of which was created to pay for that um, system. And so we are all missing out on the choices and the, and the things and the, that we can buy and the goods that we can buy and the insurance that we could buy with the tax that we pay for this monolithic government bureaucracy. And I'm sure that you're going to find the exact same thing in the United States with Obamacare. Yes, I mean we've never in the United States we've never had a free market in healthcare. Um, in Canada, that is the case as well. And so there is there is a truth that whatever you see today, if you're okay with it, okay. But you have no idea if it could be a lot better, right? If healthcare could be a lot better, if just things might just work really differently today, if the market were free, if the best, most efficient ways. Um, of providing health care if those were allowed to compete. And, you know, you, what, that's what you would see. I mean, if you look at freer markets, in the United States, our technology sector is much freer than our health care sector. And what you've seen consistently and continually is, you know, more innovation, better products. If you think about the iPhone, you think about the iPad, you think about all sorts of gadgets. I mean, things are getting better for people. More people can afford them. 
and life is good and things are coming to be that we never thought could exist. I mean, 20 years ago, could I imagine that I could carry around all my music, you know, in this little machine or I'd have this tiny phone that could do everything for me? Uh, I mean, no, you couldn't imagine it. And I think that is the case in healthcare too. There's probably a lot of things that we can't imagine that would really improve our lives but to have no chance of even coming to existence because the government is controlling the market. The well, government is deciding how much innovation is allowed, what kind of innovation is allowed. You don't have that freedom to experiment, to fail, and to succeed. Well, you've got Barack Hussein there saying, well, <laughs> you didn't create that business. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Apple didn't create that. The whole world created that through their taxes because you could have the roads to, that, to drive logic, the trucks yeah. on and... Uh, you, you know that kind of a thing. That's the kind of logic that or illogic you're dealing with down there with uh, with Obama, and uh, we certainly have the same up here. And people think that all these innovations occurring in a socialist system, which we both have, fascist system, are because of the fascist system, and they're not. They are despite the fascist system because we still have a little bit of profit motive left. Would you agree? I mean, all human creativity, all progress is made possible by a human mind willing to think, willing to use his reason, willing to make sense of things, willing to try and fail and experiment, and eventually they succeed. It, you know, progress was possible in the United States and Canada to the degree that people were left free to think. And there's a real disrespect and a disregard for that in our culture, so that you didn't build that mentality. That's one aspect of it that you don't see what individuals are bringing to the table and that yes steve jobs built apple he didn't do everything no one's saying he did everything but he had a very particular role he built it amazingly and that achievement rests solely with him Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean other people didn't do anything but he did something and you have to recognize that and part of the reason why bureaucrats and obama say things like well you didn't build it is that it's a lot easier to convince people that they don't have a right to what they earn if you convince them that, well, you know what, you didn't even earn it in the first place. You didn't build it. You just have it for some reason. And so I have every moral right now to come along and take it out of your pocket and use it for what I think it should be used for. And that's what's really going on here. It's a big ruse. We sure hear a lot of that up here. That's exactly the mentality you're dealing with. I'm curious, uh, Ritu, in, in the United States with Obamacare, when w- under Obamacare, when you go to a doctor, are they going to cover your first dollar walking in there, or is it in, an insurance plan, say, with a deductible of some sort, or or some sort of qualification? How is it, or is it like Canada, where everything's free? Well, there's, it, it, it varies. There's different there's different systems depending on what kind of care you're getting. Certainly, if you're on Medicaid, which is our single-payer health care program for people of lower income, all of that. There's no deductibles. There's nothing. Everything is, is, you know, you go to the doctor, you don't pay a dime. And, of course, everybody who, you know, earns a paycheck is paying, um, but in that moment you don't pay. So there's all sorts of different ways. Some of the plans do have deductibles. But really, I mean, the deductibles are kind of a joke. The main, I mean, the government is heavily subsidizing the health care, heavily paying most of the bill, which means that, you know, everybody else is paying for your health care. There's, a, there's a, a recent article in the London Free Press here from just a couple of weeks ago about the, the number of people who have gone to the emergency department here in our hospitals in this town. And apparently there was at least one or two people who went 180 times in a year. 
And, of course, we're talking about somebody who's psychologically impaired. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And there's nothing we can do about these people taking up the time of the clerks and the system by coming in there. If there was a way to just simply have a deductible, in other words, sure, you want to come in here and uh, you have a cold, great, $20, please. Do you think that they'd come in 180 times in a year? I wouldn't think so. I mean, that's why a market is good, right? Because a market rewards the right behaviors. I mean, if you are consuming a lot more health care, in this case, it could just mean you're consuming a lot more of the time of the people who provide health care, the medical professionals. Why shouldn't you be paying more? I mean, you're consuming more of the time. Why should somebody else have to pay for your choices? Why should somebody else have to pay for your situation? I mean, in that situation, you're talking about someone who's clearly making bad choices. So, sure, there's there's people who go to the um, go to the hospital a lot, not because they want to, but because yeah, they're sicker than other people. But the point remains: why should somebody else have to cover? You know, have to pay for your life. It's your life. It's your responsibility to maintain it. Which means, if you want health care, you've got to earn it. You've got to pay for it. You can't just force everybody else to do it. It's not their responsibility. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, you hear the pundits for socialist medicine here in in, in Canada talking about, well, we wouldn't want to be like the states because people there are dying in the streets. They get turned away from emergency rooms, which I understand is not the case. Um, And uh, they they paint a very black picture of American health care, while here in Canada, they gloss over the fact that we have wait times for MRIs. They have two MRIs in this city of 300,000, when you can get an MRI for a cat in almost any town in the States. You know, you have better health care for your cat and dog here in Canada than you do for people. I can go and get my cat or dog uh, uh, to see a vet immediately. Right. Uh, the immediately. Same, the same is true in the United States. My dog gets much better quality care sometimes, it feels like, than I do. I mean, anybody who tells you that um, the American health care system is inferior and that, you know, Canadians should be proud of their system should really ask, well, then why is it that Premier Danny Williams, you know, came to yes. the United States for health care if the system is so great there? And that's something Canadians need to wake up to. They're feeling very proud of their system. Fine. But see the real-world consequences. Is that something you're proud of? And that means you have to start questioning, is, was, was what we did correct? Did it make sense? Because how could something so moral look so ugly in practice? Now, back in the 70s under Pierre Trudeau, there was something called the brain drain here in Canada. And a lot of uh, highly skilled people left this country because of the, the socialism and, the, and the, uh, the way that it was barreling down under the uh, federal liberals. And amongst those were doctors who thought that, well, listen, if I'm going to go through medical school, seven years of, or, or more of training, uh, simply to be a, a, a government employee, I'm not ha- having any of it. And I'm, I'm going to the United States or elsewhere it's where I can get paid what I think that I'm worth and what my patients are willing to pay me. And so would it be fair to say that a lot of the doctors who were left here in Canada are of a different quality than those who would leave because they know that they are worth more? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, This is not an old problem. This is a constant problem. This is a continual problem in the United Kingdom, in Canada. To this day, I read reports, and it's not the most widely reported thing, but that should tell you something, that, yeah, there is a huge brain drain in Canada and in the United Kingdom of doctors, doctors who are going to other healthcare systems because they think that's where they can really have the career that they want. Um, 
And sure, that means that who is going to be left? Who it really raises the question: If all the best doctors are going to freer healthcare system, well, what is the kind of doctor that's left? The kind of doctor that's left is the kind of doctor who doesn't mind taking orders from a government bureaucrat, who doesn't mind you know doing cookie cutter medicine. And I'm not. I don't want that doctor, and I don't think anybody wants that doctor. But here's another real world, real world consequence that Canadians need to wake up to: that if their healthcare system is actually discouraging the best doctors, then is this really a healthcare system that they want and they can feel proud of? Because a healthcare system that does that is what's the point? Why are we doing all this if, people, if doctors actually don't want to be in this system? Well, you're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we're joined by Rita Pernabasu of the Ayn Rand Institute. And Rita, if you just want to hold on one more time, we have another break here at the quarter to the hour, when we'll be back in two minutes and 40 seconds. I would like to welcome all St. Swithin's congratulations on being admitted to one of the finest teaching hospitals, not perhaps the oldest and the largest, but <laughs> one with a long line of academic achievements. The origins of the hospital are somewhat obscure. It's believed to have been founded about 1560 to deal with... Uh, Severe outbreak of venereal disease, which (laughs) followed closely on the discovery of America. (laughs) The chapel pulpit is by Grinling Gibbons, and there is a Jacobean swordrest in the Chancellor. Anatomy and physiology will be the subject you study this year. When I have finished, we'll sign the register, you'll make a ten-pound deposit for your laboratory work from which breakages will be deducted, and from this moment you'll be bound by traditions of professional conduct. You will apply yourself to the scientific study of medicine and uh, you will observe professional secrecy. You will not have sexual relations with the patients or their wives or husbands. <laughs> you will not consort with osteopaths, naturopaths, herbalists, chiropractors or any other people not engaged in the scientific practice of medicine. Uh, you will observe the laws of England on the performance of operation, the prescription of drugs. You will not walk on the grass in the hospital courtyard. <laughs> that uh, where medical matters are concerned, it wouldn't matter in Canada what party you, uh, you were affiliated with, if any. But to us, as we look across the river here, you know, why don't you think we believe that? What's, what's wrong on this issue with us? What, well, I guess the powers that be don't share our beliefs that, that health care ought to be universal. I mean, Canadians didn't until we met up with a guy named Tommy Douglas, um, who pretty much changed everyone's mind. Um, one he, guy? One guy, yeah. One guy did it. He, uh, Can he come over and visit us? <laughs> he's dead, unfortunately. Oh. In fact, he was, uh, he, he's just most recently been revered as Canada's um, singular most important person. We, <clears throat> we think so much of... of you mean in uh, your history? In our history. In your whole history? In our whole history. Tommy. More than your first Prime Minister? Absolutely, more than... yeah. Even more than Wayne Gretzky. No way. Absolutely. Uh, more than Celine Dion. Great singer. More than Celine, yeah. More than Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> Maybe. Even more than Rocky and Bullwinkle. Imagine that. What they don't mention is that Tommy Douglas was declared the greatest Canadian get by guess who? Mm-hmm. The state-run broadcaster, CBC. Well, of course. <laughs> you know what's funny? In all the research those of us at Freedom Party did, 
when we prepared our Election 11 ad on socialized health care in Ontario, where you can see Tommy Douglas saying that socialized medicine won't work. But you won't find his name anywhere in, in, in the development of socialized health care. I know Paul McKeever went through all of the Toronto Star reports of the period, and you will not find Tommy Douglas's name anywhere. It doesn't show up. Hmm. It was all done by conservatives. They're the ones that brought the whole system in. Or was it a rewriting of history? People went back well, and traced it back to Tommy Douglas. Well, anybody who, who was popular and, and in favor of the thing might have been given credit for it just for being in favor of it, mm-hmm. right? And even Tommy Douglas, in his statement, regretted that it wasn't he who brought in socialized health care. He had to give it to the conservatives there, too. So that's the situation. Uh, Ritu, I, I was thinking about the comparison of private and public health care and why they aren't allowed to co- coexist. You, you say that doctors would go from one system to the other. I think the other complaint is a lot of patients will go, but would not... Why, do, why don't people realize that even if they want the, health, the, the socialized health care system at least to allow a private option would still be better for them, and yet there's a resistance to that? Does that make sense? There's a resistance where? Where are you saying there's Well, but they don't, like you'll see it in England, you'll see it here. No one wants a, a, a parallel system. It's got to be a one system for all. You know what I mean? You, you know, I mean, in, you guys have... It's egalitarianism. Seen, but, Right, you guys have made some good, a little, you know, a little bit of progress on this front, right? Oh, I mean, in 2005, too. Quebec, in 2005, the Supreme Court ruled that, you know, you look, it's wrong in Quebec to have to wait True. all yes. this time for health care, that if you want to pay for it yourself, you should be able to do that. And so that really, I think, um, you know, you have had a lot of clinics popping up. You've had a lot of surgery centers, private clinics popping up, um, catering to people in Canada who can now finally pay and it's not everywhere and it's not always legal everywhere you know sometimes the government just um looks the other way or sometimes it does crack down um and so but i agree that it is a very very ugly strain and it is egalitarianism it is ugly to tell someone you know what i can't afford this uh but you can but you can't go get it. You can't go pay privately for your health care, uh, even though you can afford it. No, you've got to be in the same line as I am, wait as long as I have I have to wait, uh, suffer as much as I do. That is ugly to want that of any other human being, to stop them from rising because you are not able to. There's only a few jurisdictions in the world where to pay your doctor is considered to be against the law. North Korea, Cuba, and Canada. Ontario specifically. Ontario, yes, specifically, yes, where you're not allowed. It's illegal for me to give my doctor money. It's illegal for my doctor to ask for money. That kind of thing is just unbelievable in this day and age. And the thing is that this was very purposefully done. I mean, when the the Canadian healthcare system, when all this was going, you know, being played out, what you guys looked at was you guys looked at the United Kingdom. And in the United Kingdom... You have this kind of situation that you're talking about, that there's a public health care system, the NHS, the National Health yes. Service, but you can pay for private care if you so choose. And um, this created a lot of problems because people who were able to pay for private care, people looked at them and said, what, how, how dare you? That's not fair. Why do they get to do it? It's wrong. It's not wrong. It, you have to be in the same pot as I am. Now, that's so ugly, like I said, to stop someone else from getting good health care because you can't afford to yourself. It's an ugly, ugly emotion. Um, but it created a lot of 
problems. And so the, you guys decided, yeah, we don't want that. We do want to outlaw private care entirely so that everyone has to suffer together. Now, there's no dignity in suffering. Um, and so a lot more people suffering is, is just a lot worse than a few people suffering. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, but that's what you guys have. Universal suffrage. <laughs> <laughs> Giving that a new new term there. You know, it, it's funny that people can see uh, when government gets into rationing things and when it gets into controlling things, we saw the food lineups in the Soviet Union. You couldn't even get food in your grocery stores. Uh, anytime the government controlled things. And yet we don't see that same, or we don't apply the same principle to, to health care. And yet food is more critical, and uh, on a daily basis you need it. I'm surprised we're not all screaming for socialized uh, groceries. Mm. Is that day coming? <laughs> Do you think? Um, I mean, you guys got to tell me that about what's going on with you guys. If you know, There's nothing stopping anybody. I mean, in the United States we have a huge food stamp program. Oh, I guess you um, do have where, it, yeah. yeah, so I mean... <laughs> Food is considered is is in the same is considered the same thing as healthcare. It's considered yeah you shouldn't have to earn um, earn food. It should just be provided to you. And what that really means is that now it's everybody else's job to provide it for you. Um, and so we have I mean you name it. But in healthcare, I mean it's such a strong notion and it is so powerful. Um, and it's it's ultimately wrong. I mean just because I need healthcare does not give me a right to tell you, you know what, you've got to provide it for me. If you're the doctor, you've got to provide it for me. If you're the taxpayer, you've got to pay, it, pay my bills. I mean, no, we should want to earn our own living. We should want to stand on our own two feet, be, you know, rely on ourselves, build a life where it's our way. It's not that we, um, you know, we're taking advantage of other people and using other people and tell, you know, sacrificing them to ourselves. That's not the right way to live. I agree with you completely, Ritu. And uh, unfortunately, we're at the top of the hour. We're going to have to end it here. But Went by uh, in a flash. Yes. And now, Rita Parnabasu of the um, Ayn Rand Institute, Analyst in Healthcare Issues, you're going to be speaking in Toronto Tuesday, March 4th, that's this t- uh, Tuesday, at 7 p.m., University of Toronto 5, Bancroft Avenue, Earth Science Building, Room 1050. I'll be there uh, to videotape it and to interview you again. Uh, the event is hosted by the Toronto Objectivist Committee and the Freedom Party of Ontario. And uh, look forward to seeing you there, Ritu. Yes, I'll see you next week. Okay. Excellent. Take care. And that's it for our show today. So join us again next week when we'll continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here. We will. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. What is it? What is it, sir? What is it? This, sir? That, sir. Uh, uh, oh, come along, Upton, don't mumble. The ulnar nerve, sir. Artery. Nerve. Which? <laughs> nerve, the ulnar nerve. Uh, it isn't the ulnar nerve, sir. No, what is it then? Uh, it's the uh, median nerve. It's an artery, for God's sake. <laughs> it's an artery. <laughs> Arteries are important things, you know. A man with a ruptured artery can bleed to death in 30 seconds. And if you don't know the right answer, he'll die, Upton. Die. There on the floor in front of your eyes. See him? Well, come on, Upton, you've only got 20 seconds left. He's bleeding, man. What's the answer? Ten seconds. You don't get a second chance in this game. You've got to know. Five, four, three, two, one. He's dead. (laughs) 
And don't you dare faint, you miserable little worm. 